and welcome into another episode of Turn the Corner, a Detroit Tigers podcast. I'm Kieran Steckley. With me, as always, a man who will sacrifice much for the people he cares about, but he will not sacrifice bunt. He is Cody Stavenhagen. How you doing? Doing great. You're right. No sacrifice bunting. Don't need it. <laughs> it's the ball. Yeah, well, you know, occasionally we'll be watching a college game or, uh, you know, a Tigers game, obviously, and be like, hey, it's kind of amazing what happens. We just kind of have people, like, try to hit the ball. And uh, so, yeah, a little little more. We get I, into think, the I think little we got to give college. a shout-out to Oklahoma State Baseball for the craziest uh, regional of all time. Josh Holiday at Oklahoma State, great coach, but he loves to bunt. Well, they didn't really need to bunt. They scored, I don't even remember how many runs in three games in the course of, like, 36 hours it was ridiculous it's like 50 something yeah it was yeah it was crazy the regional set a record uh unfortunately oklahoma state did not make it out of that regional uh so just just chalk it up to another disappointment for me watching teams that i care about so speaking of that cody uh the tigers this week you know it's funny um as we're figuring out when we're gonna record today's podcast this week's podcast um i was like you know, it's a three and two week. Three and three and two. Um, as I often say, I'm no math major, but that's above five hundred. And uh, does it really feel like it? I was I was kind of anticipating. All right, what kind of what's the juice gonna be for the podcast this week? And I was like, oh man, okay. So you know, they sweep the Pirates. That's cool. You know, split going into Sunday with. The mighty Toronto Blue Jays. All right, all right. It's Scooble on the mound, and yeah, this is this some sort of like you know you're going over all these scenarios. Is this some sort of turnaround in the making here? No, it, it, it's not. It wasn't. But you no, know, we try not to be prisoners of the moment either way. So I'm not going to like be downtrodden because, you know, you drop a series to the Blue Jays, who, by the way, are a fabulous baseball team with a lot of great young players. For reasons not necessarily in the box score, which we'll get to, this felt like a down week. But then again, it's like it's three and two. You Overall, you're going to take that, especially given the ramifications of this roster. And uh, I was actually going to ask you, did it feel almost like a light week because there were two days of which there was no games. I didn't know what to do either of those days. I was like, what is, what is going on here? This is, I guess it would be like a non condensed semi regular schedule thing, but it was, it felt weird. It was, it was, there was, there was different vibes all around, I guess is what I'm getting at. Yeah. Um, you're right. I mean, it doesn't feel like they were three and two, I think probably because, they were coming off a weekend where they got smacked by the Yankees, and then they got smacked on Friday, and they got smacked on Sunday. They did beat the Pirates twice and played a pretty good game on Saturday. Uh, the Saturday game was really good, actually, in between all that, but the bad just kind of sticks out more, I think, because those games were just not competitive. Like we talked about with the Yankees, it was it was a sign that these teams were on very different tiers. You know, I thought Turk Skubal was very intense. I thought he had good stuff, but he was facing one of the best lineups in all of baseball. And what good lineups do is they can beat your ace on the mound, and that's what the Blue Jays did. I didn't think Skubal was bad at all until the, the fourth inning dragged out, and then he started losing some velocity. I thought he was good, but he's facing the Blue Jays. Um, 
all in all, the Tigers, not just three and two this week. They're, I think, 15 and 12 in their last 27 games. Yeah. Pretty good stretch of baseball, almost a 30 game stretch of winning baseball. But again, I, I, I just don't, it doesn't feel like it because there are so many games where they're shut out when they've played um, better competition. You know, these games where they have two hits, where they have non competitive at bats, it's been difficult. I think last week's podcast got um, uh, a little heated. I don't think AJ loved your Willie Castro rant. <laughs> Uh, yeah, again, I gotta be loyal to the listeners, man. Oh, well, AJ is gonna double down on Willie Castro. We'll double down on on saying he's not a good outfielder. That's fine. And again, it's not personal. We want to be fair here. I'm not trying to make this personal, but uh, we're just gonna tell it like it is. Um, and right now, how it is, Tigers had a winning week, but overall, I don't think you can feel very good about it because you had two games in which you produced zero offense again yeah well we've reached far enough into the season where we can establish a couple themes and and when it's a theme it's something that is repetitive right so the 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 narrative of this team is they can win those close games when they get the right balance when they make those crucial plays but they're still not they're not blowing anybody out and they're hella capable of getting blown out especially you know when you're playing the the yankees of the world the blue jays of the world and then you can squeeze out those games against the pirates and that's that that's kind of where you are you're like in in the middle there um again as currently constructed especially given all these injuries and and they don't come from behind like i've talked about they're like eight and a million when the other when the opposing team scores first hey It's not good, but conversely, it's it's really nice when they score first. What is it when when there's especially in the first inning when they score in the first inning? I don't, technically, it doesn't necessarily mean scoring first, but when they score in the first inning, that's uh, you know, record is really nice. It's uh, usually a good sign, and it's a testament to the pitching and to the strength in the bullpen. So they're seven and twenty-eight when the opposing team scores first. Uh, they are. Where is it at? We're going to find it. Real-time podcasting. Stick with us. Uh, I was hoping <laughs> to be a little quicker. 16, now 17 and 6 when they score first in a game. They get a lead. They're pretty good at holding it. Um, if they get in a hole, rarely do they come back. Because they can't hit. They can't. Uh, that's To your credit, that's something that you had harped on. For... Two years. I mean, for well, more, for more than that. But yeah, even this years, offseason. Even specific to this, to this year's iteration of the Tigers is like, where is... Yeah. So, maybe there's some help around the corner. We can get to that in a second. Um, but the, the, the big news of the week is... Essentially, all the speculation comes to an end. Casey Mize is going to have Tommy John surgery and... As you said just a second ago, we all we, we try to be fair here. This is something that we had talked about. This is something that you know the Twitter doctors had had been talking about for a while, and the setbacks. And you can't throw you know he's he's hurt, you know he's feeling feeling hurt throwing ninety feet and you know that kind of thing. The one rehab outing which was a disaster, and it all kind of led to what I would just kind of say was the logical conclusion 
However, it just took longer than what I guess we would say is ideal. But you wrote about it this week in The Athletic, which you're, if you're a subscriber, you can read. And I'm pretty sure there's still a dollar a month subscription deal. No? I'm not, yeah, I'm not sure if that's ever going to end. So yeah, I'd still so say take advantage of it while you can. I think it's going to end tomorrow at midnight. So if you haven't. <laughs> Then you need to, you know, you need to get it. It's a little sense of urgency here. We'll, we'll, we'll get people. You can uh, get two free page views now, by the way. Oh. Uh, so if you're not sold and you want to read this Casey Mize story, you want to read uh, a feature about Craig Monroe, go check those out. Okay, but then just pay a dollar a month so you can so you can read everything. You know, you can get a little preview. Don't do don't do like I do on some news sites and just <laughs> use my free page views, but not actually subscribe. You got to use them and then subscribe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, and by the way, uh, for a free preview, uh, you'll there's not going to be many stories that you'll learn more than uh, than you talking about the the process of Casey Mize sort of getting to where we are now, which is I said. Tommy John surgery. Um, since we want people to go look at it, we don't have to go too in-depth, but I read your story and I thought, you know, we think we're so... We have such an <laughs> elevated sense of, it's, it's like, reality. You know, we think we know so much in today's day and age. And I read that and I was like, man, we really don't know squat. That we was my exact squat. thought. <laughs> I was thinking about I was thinking about it through like you know my experience with my with my dad last summer and just like my experience in medicine like taking my dog to the vet like like sometimes it's like you don't know or people give you incorrect diagnoses and that's uh, I guess Mize didn't technically have an incorrect diagnosis but they were just like oh the ligaments intact he doesn't need Tommy John. And so that goes on and on. He tries to throw two different times. His arm's still hurting. He can't throw well. Goes to like at least the third doctor, maybe more, that that he saw. And this guy was like, how about we do a different MRI? (laughs) The grand question that's still unanswered, why is everyone not doing this MRI if it's like better? Why did the Tigers not do it? Why did other... It wasn't... I'm not here to... you know, smash the tigers for it because he saw other independent doctors who also just put him in a standard MRI. Keith Meister in Dallas puts him in an MRI where you, I think your arm's kind of like at a 90 degree angle and it puts stress on the UCL, kind of replicates the stress that ligament faces, uh, like when you're throwing and he basically sees it and he's like, Oh, this ligament is useless. Um, (laughs) it wasn't torn, but it had been, after talking with another doctor, it probably suffered so many micro tears over the years that it was long and stretched out. And it was like a, a rubber band that isn't stretchy anymore. Like it's, it, it was just useless. It wasn't doing its job and supporting the rest of the elbow. So they finally figure that out after eight weeks, after all of Twitter being like, he needs Tommy John. And the only the only thing to blame is why didn't they do this second style of MRI earlier? Otherwise, you look at the ligament, you say it's intact, you say, oh, he doesn't need Tommy John. Um, so it took us forever to get to this diagnosis. That's unfortunate, but uh, ultimately they got there. And yeah, I, I explained it a lot more um, in my story. Talked with an orthopedic surgeon who gave some really good insight into kind of how the process works and how these MRIs work. 
And the end result is we're probably not going to see Casey Mize until 2024. You know, I'm almost thinking, can that be, can that special MRI be part of like preventative care? Can, like every pitcher start out in spring training, putting their arm in this, uh, in this particular MRI and just see if that, because if, if, if we're going to, if we're going to spend this much, this much time waiting to see if that's the case with the ligament, I almost want to, almost want to like have an image of it on file. If I was like working for a team or whatever before the season. I think we're closer to just having more like elective Tommy John surgeries. Guys just saying, screw it, give me a new UCL, even if I don't really need one, you know. I'll miss 18 yeah. months, then I'll come back better, and I won't have to worry about getting hurt for 10 years. Um, and another thought, I think we're going to talk draft a little bit later. I say this like half-jokingly. I've never been a huge fan of building around pitching specifically. Now I'm like... Maybe if I'm trying to build a pitching staff, I'm going to say, I'm only signing guys who have already had Tommy John. Is that is that not like the best strategy? Because you're good for 10 years after you have Tommy John, you know? <laughs> well, well, your point has more merit when you consider, uh, you know, college sports medicine, college program sports medicine is not professional sports medicine, right? So, like, you know, there's, there's just a difference in in uh, priorities you know and 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 one of the things in your stories you talked about like some of the arm problems that casey had had while at auburn you know and and so and obviously you know he he's more or less under contract for what seven years you know yeah. uh when he when he uh gets to gets to the pros whereas in college you have him for a minimum in a four-year school you have him for a minimum of three so things are a little different right you know um it's it's unfortunate for a variety of reasons. Obviously, you know, Hart goes out to Casey himself because uh, he's the one that's actually going through this. That's just awful. I'm sure he's just – it, it kind of hit me in the face. I was like, God, he really only did have two starts. Yeah. You know, like it it, it, it kind of smacked me in the face that that's literally the only output he had. And, of course, the, I can only imagine the frustration of feeling well everywhere in your body Except for that little ligament, like the most important ligament, <laughs> are you know arguably for a pitcher, you know, and and like, you know, there's no way around it. It sucks, you know, and and when you kind of broaden the scope for the team and what that means for his impact on the Tigers and the you know, contract stuff, like it, it, the the window closes more, obviously. Uh, and then it kind of puts into light. Now we're a couple of years removed from that draft. And as I've said before, you know, he was more or less considered the unanimous 1-1 guy. Like, there was not there was not any prominent voice that was saying... No, not really. There, been... there were a few people who really liked Jared Kelnick and, and some other guys. But go look at the top ten in that draft. None of them have succeeded in the major leagues yet. Well, okay, so... You say top 10. I went and just looked at the draft as a whole, and Casey Mize entering the weekend is fifth in war from that draft. He's behind Shane, uh, excuse me, let me see if I can read my chicken scratch. Shane McLennan, McLennan. Uh, Nico Horner, oh, it's 3.8, by the way. Nico Horner, 3.6, Jonathan India, 3.5, and Logan Gilbert, 3.0. Uh... Shane was at the end of the draft, so it's not like anyone was really going to pick him 
one one, and then the other ones were you know toward toward the top. Yeah, India is good. India is really good, but he's he's also suffered a major injury. So yeah, so um, it's... no, you can't go back and knock the Tigers for the pick. I don't think um, the injury history was definitely a concern with some people with eyes, but I think the vast majority of teams still would have made the pick. The problem is, you know, you just went all in on pitching. You use your first round pick on Mize and Manning and, and Fido and Bo Burrows and what do you have to show for show for it? Um, right now you have Alex Fido, who's already had Tommy John surgery, kind of exceeding expectations after he had to work his way kind of back into prominence. And that's what you got. And so I like big picture long term this iteration of the rebuild that was going to have a dominant trio or foursome of starting pitchers and then green and torkelson and a couple big free agent signings boom your contenders starting to become clear that eh, that's not really going to work a uh, good thing you got a guy named Tarek scoobal in the ninth round who's legit and now you kind of still got to acquire a lot more dudes somehow um it's unfortunate that Mize got hurt right when this was going to be, I think, the year where we got a sense of what is he really in the big leagues. And as A.J. Hinch said about Casey, I mean, he he really is such a determined guy. It sounds like his mindset after learning he needed surgery was just like, okay, what do I have to do to get back? What's the next step? I'm sure he is approaching it in kind of a black and white fashion like that. And Tommy John, again, is, is certainly not a uh, career death sentence these days. Chances are he'll come back and and can still be a good pitcher. But it changes the window. It changes the entire outlook, I think, for the Tigers' future in a pretty significant way. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I mean, we, you know, just as an example of what we're... Uh, like there's, we're gonna forget about him soon, and I don't mean that in a disrespectful way, but that's just kind of how it works. I mean, when's the last time we mentioned Spencer Turnbull? Yeah, not very often. You know, and and so, you know, it sucks. And maybe maybe long term it might be better for him, uh, especially with his series of of arm injuries. Uh, it, it makes I, me wonder. Like, is that why he lost fuel for the the splitter? Like, was his elbow? somehow not strong enough for him to throw that pitch effectively is that why his fastball wasn't right? the same like, like yeah like I, it might explain some things yeah and as we look uh we look ahead a little bit um i can't help but notice cody your boy your boy kumar rocker is getting a little hype now yeah he is hype. uh uh friend of the pod keith law even wrote about him uh, and as the the draft coverage is about to sort of start ramping up, and he's a guy that could be in the range for the Tigers. Not, not, not satisfied with the talent of a Kumar Rocker, but as a as I'm like seeing what Casey Mize went through, I don't know if I could go through this again, <laughs> Cody, because. Same thing as last year when he didn't sign up the Mets. I'm gonna imagine that it's going to be a it's gonna be trade secrets his medicals uh, when when it you know comes to signing time and all that stuff. And I don't know, I don't know. It, it also is a thing where this draft and we don't have to go heavy into it. 
because we we still got plenty of time. But a lot of the guys that are slotted to go where the Tigers are at, there's a, he- a couple of high school arms in there, and it's like just in that range. Not necessarily projected to the Tigers, but in that range. And I'm just like, you know, I kind of wish last year and this year was flipped just in terms of draft position. I'd rather be three this year than uh, uh, than than 12, uh, right? It's 12th pick, I believe. Yeah. Um, and so, so yeah, I mean, that it's going to be interesting. I mean, obviously, you don't draft for immediate need and all that stuff, but I'm like, I could, I'd really like a college bat, but if there's not one there, there might be a, uh, here we go again. <laughs> you got to take a college bat, man. You have to take a college bat. Um, and it, that this draft worries me just the way it's shaping up because what college bat is going to be at 12? Uh, the Tigers have a few guys they like. I think uh, Gavin Cross, uh, Kevin Parada, the catcher, and Chase Young from Texas Tech are three college players. I know they're pretty high on. Big young guy. Now, over here, by the then, way. then it's a question of do those guys make it to 12? They're often mocked uh, higher. Young has fallen on some boards. He had kind of a lower body injury he was dealing with toward the end of the year. And he's a pretty terrible defender, supposedly. I haven't seen him play enough, so I don't know. But that's kind of, you know. The, yeah, the, the rub on him is you don't know where he's going to play, yeah. essentially. Now, it sounds like he's a great left-handed bat. So right now, I'm like, I really like Young. I know the Tigers had eyes on him at Texas Tech's regional. And there's a chance he could slide to 12. And I think... Maybe that's your answer. Now, I've heard the Tigers had a handful of scouts and representatives at Kumar Rockers game, so they were keeping eyes on him. As much as I love my guy Kumar, especially if you're the Tigers, I don't think you can take him in the first round. If he somehow falls to the second round, I'm taking that dude in a heartbeat. But he, ugh, too, too, too risky, and you need a bat. But what I've also heard... And this will make some people cringe. The Tigers think that maybe the highest upside in that range could be high school pitchers, high school right-handers. And can we really handle that again? <laughs> like, I don't. I think. I. I think. I think people might lose their jobs if the Tigers drafted another high school right-hander. But do you take the guy that you really believe in, or do you take a college bat that uh, you don't know if he can even play defense, or say? The three or four guys you really like are gone, and so then you're you're basically reaching just because a guy's a college bat. Right now, still very far removed from the draft, it looks like that could kind of be the scenario the Tigers face, and that would really suck. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, you know, it, the reality is that you just have to draft your board, you know, and if it's a high school pitcher, it's a high school pitcher. You can't draft another high school pitcher. Man. You, just let, let me, you just can't. Well, let me let me just say this. Uh, yeah, you're right that Twitter would freak out if they did draft a high school pitcher. I would really feel bad for that kid. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah. He, like he's just gonna be like the poster child of like you know the Tigers. Picked another high school pitcher, and you know we'll wait four years to see him be mediocre. You know, like that, like it's gonna be unfair to him. You know, but but that would be the reaction 
it's just oh god. I mean, you're you're absolutely right. This is this is not ideal. Can we start? Can we start like rumors about Jackson Holiday so he slides to twelve? Like, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know what would get him to slide that far, but I'm willing to spread some rumors. I mean, selfishly, you know, Stillwater kid, I'd love for him to, oh, to yeah. fall to the Tigers and would be at a you know position of uh of long term need potentially. So. Yeah, but that that's just that's just my two cents. But yeah, it's it, it's fun at the top of the draft. You know, you get down to 10, 11, 12 years. You know, there things are less certain. But of course, we always say that every draft, and then you know, Mike Trout gets drafted at like what twenty eight or you yeah. know whatever he is. You know, it, 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 you don't really know as much. I believe Young also has like a swing thing, like a uh, like a hitch or something like that. That's uh. Uh, causing some some concerns hmm. uh, in in scouting circles. Like I said, I haven't scouted them. It's just you know. Yeah, I'll go watch the video. I, I actually hadn't heard that. Um, a couple of scouts I had talked to liked his like his bat a ton. So, well, I'll say this: his brother was drafted. God, what was what was uh was what was Josh drafted the fifth or something? Ten top ten for he sure. He was a top ten pick from the Rangers. Yeah, um, yeah. and at that time. Everybody in Big Twelve baseball circles was saying younger brother's better, so wow. take that forever. I mean, you know, obviously I have a lot of Texas Tech fans uh, in in my everyday life, and they were saying that at the time. It's like wait for wait for his brother. So and uh, and Josh would be in the majors right now if he didn't get hurt. Uh, so again, take that for whatever it's worth. Um, just draft him. Just hope he, if he falls to twelve, just draft him. And tell him he's going to play second base because if Willie Castro can play second base in the majors, if Willie Castro can play any of these positions in the majors, so can Chase Young, and I bet he's going to be a better hitter. Can he can he play center field? I'm sorry, that's the last no, time no. I'll, I'll. He will not play center field. I think he can handle second base. Surely he can handle second base, right? Right. By the way, just just because we talked about him a lot, if people want to get a little visualization. Six foot, two hundred and five pounds. So that that seems like. Uh, that's probably a physique that limits uh, limits you. If a Miguel bit, Cabrera so. can play third base, this guy can play third base. He can do it. He can do it. Yeah, yeah. Well, as AJ Hinch would say, don't say he can't do something until he ha- until he shows that he can. All right, there we go. A month removed from the draft and having barely actually watched this kid with my own eyes, we've made the pick. We've <laughs> yes. Chase Young, lock in. Will I change my mind uh, in the next month? Eh, probably so, yeah. <laughs> you know, I did look up, uh, I looked up Brady House. How is he doing? doing? I haven't heard much on him. Well, just this year, just the basic stats. He's hitting 278 in, uh, where is he at? Regular A ball. 278, regular A ball. He's got uh, three home runs, 31 RBI. So there That's you fine. go. There's a there's a it's a guy that uh, Tigers passed on for Jackson Joe. I think Isaac Pacheco is, almost has those numbers though. Pacheco's had getting hot a little bit. So, well, there's a good transition right there. Um, how was your how was your trip to Toledo? It seemed like you know the the joke of Tigers 2.0. I'm pretty sure that Toledo lineup would beat the one that beat the Pirates that day, um, but it. There was a lot of uh, a lot of guys hoping to get called up, and a lot of guys trying to get right. And 
it made me think, well, as we talked about it when the move happened at the time, it's like, kind of glad there's like a seasoned major league manager over there in Toledo and Lloyd McClendon because he's managing a major league team essentially in terms of, you know, the personnel there. So what was, what was your trip to Toledo like? Um, it was very much Toledo as I showed up, couldn't get in contact with any of their PR people all day. Snuck my way into the ballpark and was like, all right, what, what do I need to do to interview players? Because I, I could not contact anyone. Finally got a hold of someone. And they're like, oh, we only do interviews post-game here anyway. Which I was like, okay, well, that's new and inconvenient because I don't want to talk to any of these guys about, like, the game. Like, you know. Um, mm. But anyway, you know, watch the game. It was nice. Uh, it was it was nice. Got to see Robbie Grossman hit a homer. Got to see some Riley Green ABs. Akil Badu, got to see him steal some bases. Um, obviously, it was a great day to go to Toledo. That's why I went down there, talked to several of those guys, Ryan Kreidler also, after the game. Obviously, the big storyline was green, and um, my takeaways were green did not look quite right. He's hitting like 292 now. He's doing fine, uh, but his ground ball rate is kind of through the roof higher than it's it's you know it's out of whack high and it's because he's rolling over he was kind of opening up that front hip in his swing and rolling over the ball that's kind of what he's been doing since making this rehab assignment he's still making contact he's hitting it hard he's hitting it on the ground and i would imagine that's why after the game i asked riley i said so he kind of talked about getting back into rhythm and everything and i said so do you feel like yourself do you feel fully in a rhythm at the plate and he said to be honest, I feel good, but I don't feel like I want to feel. And that probably should not be an encouraging quote for Tigers fans hoping to see Riley Green like Monday um, or Tuesday. Because if you have a guy saying, basically saying, ah, I'm not quite ready, you probably shouldn't call him up. You know, how much longer does he need? I, I have no idea. It seems like the foot's good. It seems like he's moving fine. He made a very nice play in center where he tracked a ball over his head better than I've seen any of the Tigers center field options do this year. Um, and so those, those were my takeaways from Riley. I think he's going to need a little bit longer. We'll see if he makes it in time for this, this Texas series or not. Um, you know, he's going to be up here, but I think, I think he, even he seemed to admit that he needs a little more time. Yeah, I mean, I, I I read that quote and I interpreted it as nice honesty, perspective about oneself. Because uh, at first, I because you know when it's a guy coming back from an injury, you think I'm not quite ready. You assume it's you know injury related, but it it it, it, it then you read the full context and it's more uh, habit and playing time related, getting yeah. back in the swing of things. Um, I, to me, it didn't, it didn't raise concern because I thought, well, there was, that was always going to no, be No, it shouldn't thing. be concerning yeah. in terms of like reality. This was always probably the reality. Yeah. And, and you're right. I don't know what, I don't know what the right answer is. We talked about this before. If. If he's not going to get any better in AAA, I'm in favor of moving him up, whenever that is. Whether that's in a week, two weeks, three weeks, you know, whatever. Um, 
I just don't believe in treading water, I guess. And if, if he's treading water by being in Toledo, then you might as well get him up against Major League Pitching and, 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 and see how that goes. Of course, I think he said that about Spencer Torkelson, and, you know, he's struggling. Yeah. So, I don't know. Yeah. And I know he had two hits here Sunday, including a double. Um, I'll have to go and try to find the video of those. I want to see him just hit the ball in the air. <clears throat> Excuse me, hit the ball in the air on the line a little bit more this next week, and then you feel a lot better. But if he thinks his swing's not right, and I think you can see it on video, especially if you slow it down. It's a little longer than usual. That front, front hip was really flying out, at least the one game I watched. If it's not right in AAA, it ain't going to be right in the majors as Torkelson, as Cody Clemens, who is 0 for 17, still searching for his first major league hit, have learned. Like, Good news is Riley's in AAA and he's tearing it up, but I, I think they're pretty clearly like he's just got to get all the way back in the rhythm, make sure that swing is nice and tight uh, before, you, before you mess with bumping him up. Yeah, and... Another thought to kind of complete my thought process is that you want to do right by him. So you don't want to, I guess, unless... Taking away his Super 2. If you bring him up like tomorrow, he could still qualify for Super (laughs) 2. So that's doing right by him. He's probably going to just miss that cutoff date, which would get him um, eligible for arbitration a year earlier. So actually going to be kind of unfortunate. Oh, well, that's true, but, you know, I was just thinking, like, uh, don't call him up until he feels like he is, quote-unquote, major league ready. You know, like, again, I guess, if there's anything this team has taught us is that it could be an injury that kind of forces it, but at the same time, um, if he's going to be one of your franchise pillars, you also want to call him up when he feels ready, and I... He seems thoughtful. I think Riley really knows his own swing. Like I think he really does. I think if I hear that's why I was kind of like, if Riley Green's saying he's not quite where he wants to be, that's pretty telling. And so now that he admitted that, if he kills it the next three, four games and says, you know what, I'm ready. hmm, Okay, maybe that's enough. Maybe that's maybe that's all you need to hear. Take him at his word. So. Part of the green conversation is, you know, someone's going to have to go down and then we've got like another deadline here coming up for like the extra arm and that sort of thing. There's 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 going to be some more moving parts, uh, I guess, is, is my point. And so it kind of got me thinking. It's like we've seen so many young guys isn't really the right term, but some newbies, some tweeners. Uh, and, I, and I don't mean that disrespectfully in, in, in any way. Guys that you're not sure they can stick, but they're worth giving a shot to, you know, that sort of thing. So it kind of got me thinking, like, where are we, as decisions have to be made, as guys get healthy, you know, Tyler Alexander, hopefully, uh, I know Cisnero had the, the Achilles swelling, you know, but that's also sort of down the line, and, you know, and again, other guys that have been hurt, hopefully they're healthy. It kind of got me thinking, like, who where are these moving parts going to come? So like, uh, like Bo Brisky is a guy that I kind of, I kind of thought, all right, well, he probably needs to go down a little bit, but, but since then two, three starts later, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm not really 
so sure I'm eager to send him down uh, down the Toledo and and so it, it's not a Bo Brisky specific thing, but like off the off the top of my head, Wentz, the other Erod, Brisky, Baedo, Will Vest, Drew Carlton, Das Cameron, Cody Clements, Willie Castro, Badu, and again not just young guys, but you know back and forth guys, uh, Derek Hill, and uh, recently acquired Brendan Davis. Uh, I'm sort of curious what the pecking order is for a lot of these guys. So, you know, it actually got texted to me by uh, by my old boss, who uh, happens to be a Tigers fan, lives in Dallas here. And he was like, well, who do you send down if Green comes up? And, you know, just talking about outfielders here. And, you know, I, I kind of put Willie at the, la- at, at the end of that list. And because... I think Daz was doing some good things before he had the exposure, you know, went on the COVID list and I'm liking, I'm, I'm, I'll talk about this a little bit later. Um, I'm getting, I'm getting back. I'm getting Victor Reyes love back in the system. And of course I love Derek Hill. I like what he can bring in, in various situations. I wish he probably didn't look to, uh, push bunt so much, but that's, that's a different conversation. Um, and and you know the Cody Clemens thing, obviously it's a it's a rough start. He has some value, but I'm not I'm not hanging on to Cody Clemens. And I think Fiedo also has sort of earned his keep. So it, it, this isn't really like a power rankings or anything, but it's just sort of like a feel, Cody. Like where do you, who do you who do you feel just kind of needs to stay? If that kind of makes sense. Uh, Reyes definitely needs to stay. As much as I sit here and knock Willie Castro, he's at least giving you some production. And and hey, now the word is he's got an amazing arm. So um, four outfield assists. His one Saturday was really good. It was a great play. He got to the ball an efficient route. He made a strong throw to third base. Fangraph still gives him a negative arm rating. And like now, you know, AJ was like <laughs> in Pittsburgh. I read his quote. It was like uh, when when everyone. When I talk about instincts, everyone I assumes I mean routes, but he's got a great arm. I was like, no, <laughs> now, now you're like changing the definition. Like, come on, come on now. Um, unfortunately, man, I think it's Derek Hill, especially because Riley's probably going to be playing center field. It's going to be harder to get Derek in the lineup when you're going to want Riley to get the vast majority of those reps in center. Um, I think you'd certainly make a case for sending down Cody Clemens too. In fact, I think he's looked pretty overmatched against big league pitching so far. But then you kind of have too many guys in the outfield, and you're still wanting to get a Keel Badu back up here at some point. So I think it's it's probably got to be Derek Hill, much as it pains me to say. Uh, I kind of think that's the obvious answer, especially when you're just you need you need you need hitting, and Hill can only provide so much of that. Well, pitching. Fido Brisky, you're you you're wanting to see more. Um, uh, yeah, the bullpen thing is a mess. That was gonna be my AJ Hinch suggestion box, like who to send down. Um, coming up when you have to go back down to thirteen pitchers and thirteen hitters, and I don't know because everyone in your bullpen has been so good. Like I guess Will Vest is probably the closest guy. Like Jacob Barnes, I assume probably gets switched out for. Alexander, or I guess you could just go Clemens for like I don't know. The roster is going to be messy the next few days. the 
good and bad. I don't know what in the world is going on with Eduardo Rodriguez, but he is, quote, away from the team right now, and we will have an update, quote, in a couple of days, and it was very vague and didn't... I, in fact, texted someone close to Eduardo and got no reply, so maybe it's just some personal issue, but... It doesn't sound great um, right off the bat. Sounds like he might he might not be back for a while. So that that allows you to keep Brisky and I think Brisky and Fiedo absolutely have to stay in your rotation. Alexander's going to come back um, as a reliever. I guess Michael Pineda. I don't know. He's he's still going to have to make some rehab outings. Like I think Fiedo and Brisky have absolutely earned more time with this club. Well, it, it, it's funny. Fiedo, especially. I mean, Fiedo's been awesome. Yeah, like, Fiedo's. Fire's got to be here for the rest of the year, I think, just based on this five-star stretch alone. Like, he can do Well, it. we're going to see, and we've seen it already happen at least once this week. We're going to see a lot of, uh, you know, Detroit Tigers PR tweeting out, uh, so-and-so activated, and then so-and-so rehab, you know, whatever, something not with the Major League team anymore. And they're not going to be, like, position to position. It's going to be, like, a hitter and a pitcher, you know? Like, it's... <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> it's... It's 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 not gonna be a a straight like this person for that person because obviously they're gonna you know one's gonna be a hitter one's gonna be a pitcher it's gonna be a lot of mix and matching uh, here coming up uh, I so could you do Alexander for Cody Clemens and then just DFA Jacob Barnes after that when you have to go to thirteen are they at, I don't even know how many pitchers they have now that's how that's how complicated all this has gotten. Yeah, I'm sure it's not that fun to try to figure out either. <laughs> 13. I only see 13 pitchers right now. All right, so so I'm bringing up Tyler Alexander to start Tuesday's bullpen day. Tuesday is the 14th, um, so that will give you 14 pitchers. And then on the 15th, I'll DFA Jacob Barnes, and that will put you back at 13. You don't have to worry about Eduardo anymore. Am I forgetting anyone else who is close to returning? Unfortunately, Matt Manning's not no. going to be back up for a while. I think all your injuries <laughs> have unfortunately solved your your roster crunch, at least for a little at while. Least, at least for a little bit. Um, and you know, I'll probably go ahead and, and and do it now. My my AJ Hinch suggestion box is something he's already doing, so I just want him to kind of keep doing it. Is is uh, let's ride out Victor Reyes. I, I like seeing him at the top of the lineup. It's funny on Saturday. I'm listening to uh, to Dan Dickerson do his little you know pregame interview recording or whatever with AJ, and they're talking about Victor, and AJ's talking about how he was swinging the bat well, you know, second half of the season last year, and you know he, you know, couldn't really get in the groove, uh, you know, with the injuries this year, and what did he do on Saturday? What three line drive singles, three three hard hit singles, so at the top of the lineup. Nice defensively. I, I I that appeals to me. That makes me go, huh. More so than some other people with initials WC at the top of the lineup uh does for me. And again, I, 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 I joke, I'm not trying to be a hater of Willie, but uh but I, I do I do I do like seeing Victor Reyes out there. He's a he's a fun player to watch. He always has been. I'm not gonna overrate what his ceiling is, but as of now, I'm 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 riding the Victor wave, and that would be my suggestion box for uh, for for AJ. Is there 
is there anything that you want to correct the record for me on where with my with my uh victor reyes take no i mean i i agree i think i've never been a huge reyes guy just because his profile as a player doesn't walk a lot chases a lot doesn't hit for much power but the um kind of frame of reference is so different for this team right now where suddenly Victor Reyes and Harold Castro look a lot more appealing because <laughs> at least they're putting the ball in play, getting on base a little bit, even though they're not actually huge uh, on base percentage guys. Um, again, yeah, who else is your leadoff option? I mean, you hope Robbie Grossman gets going again, but who knows? Um, no, I agree. Reyes has swung the bat nicely. He looks bigger every time, like stronger in a good way every time I see him. So, Maybe he's going to continue to. I never bought that, yeah. like, oh, he's oh, going to be a 20 home run guy. Like it, but no, 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 we're not. But, you know, he does look strong. Um, no, I'm all for that. I'm all for that because you have no one else who can hit leadoff right now. All right. You don't. So. Well, as we get to this sort of the home stretch of, uh, of this podcast, uh, let's end on a fun note. Can we do that? It was a winning week. We, well, we yeah. And on a fun note. Um, you wrote about Craig Monroe, which that story, correct me if I'm wrong, is eligible for a free, you know, free viewing, free, free read. I believe so. I believe so. I think you uh, need to do it through Google maybe to get the free page view. So just Google like Craig Monroe, the athletic click. You should be able to That'd be, I'm imagining like the top hit there. Uh, <laughs> and, and he's a guy that's uh, grown in tigers media prominence over the past couple years and if you're a tigers fan my age it's it's one of the more it's one of the cooler aspects of, of watching the team is that they, okay there's a guy that i remember from a uh like an important team of of my generation obviously he was on the 06 team that went to the world series and, and now i get to see him every game on tv or just about every game and then occasionally do the radio with dan dickerson on the road which i also enjoy um i have a craig monroe story but i want i want to plug your your written content first cody uh what kind of made you think this is this is something worth writing about what and, and then if you read the story, it kind of made it seem like you had a hard time keeping him still for two minutes in order to interview him. So, uh, <laughs> so what what, what kind of went into that there? You know, I think I'm always just looking to tell the best stories. And, you know, um, especially when the team's not playing well, it kind of becomes time to start looking outside the day-to-day of the team so much. And... Honestly, what turned me on to it was just listening to the radio. I got some comments on this story that were like, come on, like, Simo's terrible. Like, Cody, you don't actually believe he's good. If you think Simo's not a good broadcaster, you have not listened to him on the radio with Dan Dickerson. I think Simo's gotten better and better on TV just in the, the short time I've covered the Tigers. And I think he's, like, almost a totally different guy on, given the freedom of the radio broadcast and his chemistry with Dan. Like, he... I just think he kills it. And Dan Dickerson, I promise you, agrees. Not only was he quoted saying that in the story, I've talked to Dan about this on on other occasions. Dan really enjoys working with SEMO. Um, so through listening to him on the radio, I usually listen to the broadcast, you know, when I'm at the press box during games because Dan gives such great insight and SEMO does too. And I was like, 
I thought back to 2019 when I remember like Simo would be holding the mic, doing the post game questions sometimes, and he he wasn't very good at it, and he wasn't necessarily great on TV. And I was like, this dude's come a long way. And of course, he's a a, a popular personality, super outgoing, super friendly, very cool dude. Uh, so I was like, man, I want to write about Simo. And you're right, he. He never sits still, man. He's always talking to someone. He is always, always on, always energetic. It took a while just to corral him and be like, hey, I have this idea. Would you be okay doing a story? I finally did that at Yankee Stadium, and, and we agreed to talk the next day. And I was like, is he even going to remember this, man? He's Craig Monroe. Like his head's always you know, going a million miles an hour. Um, I came up to him, he's like, oh yeah, let's talk. And we sat down and actually had his full attention for probably 25, 30 minutes. And, and he was phenomenal, man. He really gave uh, a lot of his heart and soul, I think. You know, I was mostly just talking to him about how he's grown as a broadcaster and he started bringing up his mother and his grandma and what big influences they are and kind of other male role, role models he sought out um, being raised by a single mother and how all that influenced his personality, which now influences him in the booth. And one of the big cruxes for Simo in the booth was like how to be authentic. He talked about, believe it or not, Craig Monroe feeling a little insecure, you know, because he didn't have a broadcasting degree because he isn't, you know, this, this kind of cookie cutter broadcaster um and he struggled for years trying to figure out the appropriate balance of how to bring out his personality on the air while still giving serious analysis of the game also how to let his knowledge of the game shine through without being overly critical because he does sympathize with the players a little bit because he was a player and i think that's where he's taking the biggest step he just breaks down swings and plays with so much insight uh i think he keeps it real um you know, obviously he, he can cheerlead for the Tigers a little bit at times, but look, a lot of broadcasters do. I, it doesn't necessarily bother me in the way Simo does it, especially. I think he keeps it very real about what's happening on the field. So it's a very enjoyable um, experience and obviously plenty of color uh, to include in an article when you're writing about a vibrant personality such as Craig Monroe. Okay, so there's a couple things uh, there. I, I didn't see those comments and i think if i don't know maybe this is just this this might be a me thing i don't really care about the studio like how good someone because honestly like that doesn't it just doesn't matter to me i don't really think that's uh that's not part of my like broadcast experience he's good doing the color commentary tv and radio but you're right with the with the like like oh he's not that good if if they're citing like studio stuff where it's like especially the past couple of years with the team you know like it's not like he's got a lot to play with so I, if he's bad at that I don't even pay attention to it I literally don't watch it he is fun as hell on the radio as you said so if anyone's like using the studio stuff as like their mechanism of judgment whatever to be honest, like, but he's really good, and you had some specific examples in, in your story of, like, what, he, he, he's able to, he's able to kind of bring you into the diamond, bring you into the batter's box, and, and, and it's almost like it, there's part of it where he's kind of coaching a little bit while broadcasting, 
um, yeah. w- which is which is valuable. And, and an important distinction, and and I didn't quote Dan a ton on this because I didn't want it to be interpreted as him throwing shade at a certain other broadcast right. because he wasn't. Um, but he was talking about he really tries to stay away from the Q and A style, so it's not Simo. You know what would you do here? It's they have a really good free flowing baseball conversation. And I think Simo takes you inside the game in a way a lot of other kind of former player analysts uh, don't do as effectively where they're just kind of talking about their experience or whatever it may be. So I always I always love Simo back when and actually as we're talking about it, I have a I have a signed five by seven of Simo of and Placido Polanco and Jeremy Bonderman. Uh, they were found at a uh, at like a half price books or something one of my buddies uh, shout out shout out my boy scott he was like hey man do you know these guys i was like yeah they were like five <laughs> bucks a piece i was like i'll yeah buy them and i'll i'll give you the money i was like it, it's just so random um but anywho uh, i always i always loved i was i was a lefty growing up so i always was a sucker i've said this on the podcast for left-handed swings but he had a really fun like it was the best swing to watch if there was a hanging curveball because it was it was it was it's, it sounds weird to say it was the sweetest right hand swing when he connected you know like it was just I don't know I don't know how to describe it I, I just I just loved it back then and obviously the 06 team was uh, very important in my formidable years uh, first time the Tigers had been highly competitive in uh, in my life and that was that was a fun ride and because. I was then, and still am, just a nerd for this kind of stuff. I knew his backstory like I knew like a lot of other guys' backstory. So just kind of keep that in mind. This is this this was knowledge that I've had ever since I started paying attention to sports. So June of 2020, I go out to a local bar. It's called the Maverick. It's in Carrollton, Texas, and. I was hanging out with some buddies. I hadn't seen one of my friends in a while, and uh, and it just so happened uh, Mama Steckley was hanging out with one of her friends there too. So she happened to be there as well, and that'll come into play later. I guess uh, wanted to go out on Friday night, runs in the family, and so uh, and so it's nearing the end of the night. I'm about to I'm about to you know leave or whatever, and I go to the bathroom, and as I'm washing my hands. This guy comes up to me. He's wearing a Dodgers hat, which is funny considering what will follow. He goes, because I was wearing a Detroit Tigers shirt. And he goes, you a Tigers fan? I was like, yeah, man. He's like, well, my cousin is Craig Monroe. And I go, Craig Monroe? You mean the starting left fielder of the 2006 American League champion Detroit Tigers? You know, blah, blah, blah. And uh, and then Craig Monroe came out of the stall. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and so and so like you know we go to the bar or whatever and i just start chatting him up like he was well how he is on tv is exactly as he was just hanging out with his cousin in Carrollton, texas while baseball shut down because of covid and we start chatting i was like yeah man i you know i had a i, I had a couple of cokes in me at the time uh and so i was like <laughs> you know i started like I listed the the regular batting order of the 06 team, you know, <laughs> and uh, and I go, I was like, bro, you know, my uh, 
you know, my mom's here and she's from Poughkeepsie, New York, which is where the Hudson Valley Renegades are, which is where you got your professional start. He was like blown. Like, why would I know that? There's no other reason. There's no reason I would know that other than crazy coincidence because that's where my mom's from. And then also, you know, the fact that I'm there. And so he was blown away. He, He goes, he like meets my mom, gives her a hug and he's, you know, he's just, he's like chatting her up and all that stuff. And, uh, and so we're, we're, hang- we're, again, we're just like talking. He, uh, he bought me a shot, you know, it, it was a good time. And he goes, Hey man, Hey man, pull your phone out. And I was like, so I pull my phone out and then he like tells me a number and he goes, you know, he goes, call that shit. And, <laughs> and I call it and then he pulls out his phone and it starts ringing. <laughs> So oh, yeah. he gave me his number. I've never texted him because there's not any reason other than saying, "Hey, man, that's you know, nice to meet you" or whatever. Like immediately afterward. But talk about a a crazy coincidence. Talk about b just a great guy. And you know, you couldn't make that story up if you tried. You know, like like the 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 amount of circumstances that would have to be at play. You know, it 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 was amazing. And so like that was that's my Simo story. I. I think I'll post a picture that we took that 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 night, uh, and he he could not have been a more cool, chill guy. I think I remember like texting you, Cody, among other things. Uh, I was like, "Oh, God, you know, Craig Monroe's here." And I was like, "This guy is just having you know he played in the major leagues for however many years. This guy's just here on a Friday night having a good time like the rest of us, you know." Like it, I've been to the Maverick. It's not really the place you'd expect, like former big. I mean, maybe it, I don't it's know. just a like, run. I've been to the Maverick. You know, it's an it's an every man's place. Yeah. And it, it's not even like he lives in Carrollton. It, it's just it's so random. Uh, but yeah, that was that was uh, that was one of the more enjoyable nights of my life because again, like what what are the odds? I'll never I'll never have something like that again. I'm not gonna run into Maglio or Donia's at the Maverick. You know. <laughs> but yeah. Jeremy Bonnerman is unlikely to show up, you know, like it 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 was a great experience and so uh, I mean before then I had a lot of love for him. Since then even more love and I I love the fact that he's advancing up the um I guess you would say like broadcasting threshold, you know. I think he's I think he's got a future there. And always dressed to a T too, which you addressed in your story too. Yeah, I wonder I don't know. Uh, I think we're gonna be hearing a lot more of him on the radio. I'll just I'll just put it that way. Yeah, and he's good, and he's good, and so, uh, as I've said before on this on this podcast, um, I like I like the radio broadcast more than TV, just because it's just a different speed, and and obviously Dan is great. So, uh, any any guy when I like Dan Petrie falls into this as well. It's like he just get him on the radio with Dan. Dan's great. And then you have people with great insight and, and all that stuff that, you know, it, 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 you, you can't miss, you know what I mean? And so, uh, so yeah, shout out Simo always shout out Simo. Um, I've, I've said that before and now you know why love that guy. Love, love that guy. Love seeing him. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. There's one more tidbit. I'm sorry. I forgot this. There's one more tidbit about that. Uh, me meeting him at the bar. Is that after like I saw him, I go, you know, the last time I saw you was I was in Comerica Park and you were receiving the Willie Horton Award. 
because I actually was wow. at the game that day. Wow. Because that one. was my that was the weekend of my father's 50th high school reunion. So and so that was another reason uh, in addition to my nerdum of knowing where he started his freaking minor league career. He was like, you know, I was like, I was at Comerica Park when he he called Willie Horton Pops or Grandpa or whatever on the on the radio. Uh, so that obviously meant a lot to him. And Willie Horton's one of my dad's heroes. So like, you know, all these things kind of mixing in. And so I was like, yeah, last time I saw you, you were at Comerica receiving the Willie Horton Award. So just just a crazy day, crazy coincidence. I saw Willie Horton chatting up Javi Baez in the clubhouse recently. wonder if that's behind Javi Baez now taking walks. I don't know. Uh, yeah, that would be nice. Um I, I do have one thing to say. I know Baez is getting some, uh, you know, he's been hearing it. And I don't know. This, this is where to say, like, I'm not a big Boo fan. Like, I like I get it. I'm not, like, I wouldn't, like, criticize someone from booing. But I just, I don't know. I just would never do it myself. Like, it's just, it just doesn't seem, like, constructive to me. But, but I'm not, but I'm not <laughs> criticizing people who do. Um, but I... Would you chant "Fire Tony" during the middle of a game? I don't think I would. I don't. I don't. I don't root for people to be <laughs> I, unemployed. No, I. I would. Uh, I would also not do that, even though it is kind of funny to observe yeah. from afar. So, like, uh, like, like the thing this weekend. You know, you get you're honoring Miguel Cabrera, but you still want to like boo the owner and the GM, which I get the sentiment. I just don't like it when that takes away from the moment of honoring a franchise legend. I felt the same way when uh, Sheila, now Hamp, but at the time Ford Hamp, was booed when Calvin. they were doing their ceremony for Calvin Johnson being the Hall of Fame at Ford Field. Uh, I just, I'm just not, I just don't like it when it takes away from that. So that that's my thing. People may disagree with me on it. I'm not saying I have yeah, the right you mind. You know, but. I was... I was okay with it um, because I don't think it really detracted from the event. I think these friends are frustrated. I think they had, they had expectations for this year that haven't been met as a result of that. The cracks in the infrastructure of the franchise are are kind of starting to show and they don't get an opportunity to, you know, they want their, they want to feel like their voice matters. They want to feel like their voice is heard. Is booing actually constructive? Does it do anything? No, but, um, I don't blame the diehard Tigers fans for booing the owner and the GM that they were frustrated with. And it settled down after that. And then it was actually hilarious when they went right into just a massive applause for Leland and AJ Hinge and Willie Horton. And, you know, by that time when Miggy comes out on the field, it was, it was all about Miggy. So I don't think it, it took away from the moment. I had no problem. Okay. With it. Well, like, cause the, not to bring up football, but the Lions won. It really did. It was the Calvin thing. It really did. And, and yeah, I and so that. Uh, so yeah. Like I said, this is not if you if you if you at me, it's not a hard stance on me. Like I'm not gonna like argue with you about it. But it's just one of those things where like I'm reading about it on Twitter, and I'm like, God, I really hope this doesn't take away. So if it didn't take away, awesome, great. Like then then no complaints from uh, from me. Anything else, Cody, you wanted to kind of get into? No, I think we're good. All right. Well, you can follow Cody at Cody Stavenhagen. I'm at Kieran underscore Steckley. Our pod page is at Turn Corner Pod. That's, of course, on Twitter. And you can please subscribe, rate, and review. Apple, Spotify, we enjoy feedback, good and bad. But, you know, 
we're human we don't don't boo us you know like don't boo us don't boo us please <laughs> you know we're not the ones making decisions here just just saying um and take advantage of the everlasting offers of the athletics you can read all of cody's work uh i hope by listening to this podcast you realize the thoughtfulness and and the preparation that goes into uh into his stories and and we try to we try to supplement that here on the podcast so for the great cody stavenhagen i'm kieran steckley everybody thank you for listening and have a great week